Hello and welcome to this episode of the ESG Fitness Podcast. I have Andy with me. Andy, how are you? Bonjour, I'm good. How are you? Good, you look very good. Did you get a haircut? <sighs> no, I've just, uh, I was at the gym earlier, so I did my hair, basically. I'm uh, not, yeah, basically. Okay. <laughs> my hair, yeah. my hair's been done. Yeah, okay. uh, I don't know who they thought it. <laughs> how okay. are you? I'm okay. Um, I'm quite... I'm a little bit stressed, um, but I'm okay. I'm okay, I'm sure everything will turn out fine, and that's uh, always does. That's all we can do. Yeah. Okay, Lucy Calburn, great name. Are you ready for this question? Let's go. Let's go. The plateau effect. I'm finding that I seem to be coasting with my body weight at the moment, and this happened. And this happened before when I've done a calorie deficit in the past. My initial thought would be to drop calories, but I don't want to. And and I won't because I'll end up starving. What's the deal? Do I stick to my calorie goal and continue to work out? Or is there something else to be done? Thanks, Lucy. So this is always a difficult one. Does it say anything about how long the plateau has been? Yeah, that was my initial thought. Because normally when you think it's a plateau... It's, it's not a plateau. <laughs> you know, we it's plateaued. No, it's not. That's not a plateau. Yeah, yeah. it's it's always a tough one, isn't it? Because you obviously you want to try to be able to stimulate movement with body fat loss. But again, this is the reason we play the long game, and also your um her thought processes behind not dropping calories is really clever as well. You don't want to be starving and don't want to be hungry because that's where you end up reverting back to what happened previously before you started doing this. So plateau, a lot of it's about just settling in and seeing what happens. So for me, working with people, plateaus probably six weeks before I would, and that's probably me, that's probably me at the short end as well. So four to six weeks is normally when I would start thinking that we may be needing to think about something else. But if it's been one or two weeks, remember people's weight stagnates, hormonal fluctuations, uh, water retention, food volume, if you've been eating more, like so if you've been trying to pack your, your meals with vegetables, um, all these things add up. And a lot of it is about the patience game. You've really just got to, to bite down and just go, right, I can see my weight's kind of static at the moment, but who's to say in two weeks' time, that's you've dropped a kilo. Like, we don't know that yet. And I would always wait to sort of closer to the six weeks before I would make any jumps before that stuff, which is why when commit to six, it's quite tough because it's six weeks that we work in. And I'm always very weary about cutting people's calories within the six weeks because we need to have more tools in the toolbox to be able to use further down the line if things do plateau and do stagnate. Yeah, there's actually so many ways that you can talk about this because... I totally agree with what Andy said, but I could also say the exact opposite and it would also be correct. Like, yeah. usually when people think they've plateaued, they haven't. I actually did a post this morning and it showed this was actually the transformation Andy helped me with. So it was post-back surgery when I was at my heaviest. I put on about 30 pounds since, like, from being my leanest pre-back complications to post-surgery. So I was like, for me, pretty out of shape. I dropped a lot of weight very quickly. And I'm talking about like three pounds a week was like taken off. I was like, oh, this is great. Like, wow. Right. A lot of that was also water retention. I was coming off a lot of medication. 
and obviously like swelling from surgery and blah, 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 right? But weight was coming off very quickly. Now between like, so within six weeks, I was a lot leaner, still had quite a lot of body fat to lose, but I was a lot leaner. Between six weeks and a year later, I think I lost about the same weight as I did for the first six weeks, right? And but the point I wanna make is, okay, two points. One, weight loss will slow as you have less fat to lose. So if you're already relatively lean, there's no way that you're going to see consistent weight loss on the scales, especially if you're a woman. Secondly, I didn't change anything. I started and finished my diet on exactly the same calories. And that's more common than what people think. I think a lot of people think, oh, well, I'll start on this and then I'll obviously have to drop my calories. Or even I often get the question of, how many weeks before I drop my calories? It's like, no, no, no. we don't change anything unless it's not working. And I'm 99 times out of 100, the reason it's not working is because consistency is a problem, not because the targets need to be changed. So with all that said, um, one of the reasons that plateaus can become a problem is because they impact the consistency, right? So when Andy's like, you know, you might need six weeks before we decide to make any changes, the reason that it like that you might not have seen a significant drop, even if you wait six weeks is normally because, and rightly, like I completely get it. Motivation drops when you're not seeing results. Right. Which means that you then think, Oh, what's the point missing out on that burger? Because I'm not even seeing the results I want anyway. And then that starts to slip up. And then actually that is what's causing your plateau. So it's not, it's not a plateau on truly, I don't know, 1600 calories. It's now a plateau because because you thought 1600 calories wasn't working for you, you then started to eat more, which then actually means you're not in a deficit and thus you're not losing body fat, right? So there's way more to it than what most people think of like, oh yeah, if you've not lost weight for a few weeks, just drop your calories. Secondly to that, um, I agree on one side, hey, I don't want to drop calories because I don't want to be really hungry. Get it. But dropping your calories in a smart way doesn't have to mean that hunger increases. So for example, if you're like, oh, I want to drop my calories, I'm going to half the pasta portion that I normally have at dinner. And instead I'm going to chuck on like half a portion of, um, you know, those big, this is what I always do, but you know, those big trays of uh, Mediterranean roast veg, yeah. half a thing of that, bam, have that instead of your pasta. The food volume is actually higher and the calories are lower, right? So you're not more hungry. Yeah. I think that's a really common misconception is like, if I drop calories, I will be hungrier. That isn't the case. Like if you do it in a smart way, that doesn't have to be the case. So there are numerous things that impact hunger. And one of the biggest and most underrated ones is food volume and what you are eating, not just how much. So that whole mind process, like thought process of, we get a lot of people like this, um, sign up for coaching. He might be like, yeah, 1600 calories is too low for me. I'm always really hungry on it. Now, 1,600 calories made up of whole foods primarily versus 1,600 calories made up of I went for a Tesco meal deal and had a, I don't know, fruit corner for breakfast. Like that's very different, right? It has a very different response on hunger. So something I keep hammering home, but what you eat matters massively, not just the total calories that you're consuming. So back to the question, uh, Lucy, which is an excellent question. Obviously I'm very passionate about it. Um, what do I think you need to do is I would tag your coach and just say how long you've had a plateau for 
And if we need to make any changes, we will. And if we do make changes, we will make sure they, they are smart. So if we want to drop 100, 200 calories, we'll make sure we do it in a way that isn't going to massively ramp up hunger. Um, but I agree with what Andy's saying. And then I would just be really self-critical because there's absolutely no judgment here. If you're not being as consistent as you were at the start, I would do that first. Like just kind of reassess, be like, right, I'm going to have a bit of an audit week where I just really think about like, what did I do at the start? Because usually at the start, you're really on it, you're weighing stuff. And then the little sort of like one won't hurt mentality starts to creep in and you're like, yeah, I don't weigh that anymore. And I just do like a splash of olive oil and maybe I'm having three coffees that I don't track instead of the one that I used to try. I don't know. All this stuff sort of starts to add up. So just be very conscious of that, which can be eating into your deficit. But yeah, that's my thoughts on plateaus. Okay, Rachel. Hi, Emma, sorry, Gordon. I understand you love... Oh, right, okay, okay. I understand you love all research to do with happiness. And I guess you've come across Gretchen Rubin, I have, who originally wrote The Happiness Project. She later come up, came up with four personality tendencies, upholder, questioner, obliger, and rebel. I like to think of myself as a bit of a rebel, which I truly think makes following diet rules difficult, especially after following and failing so many diets in the past. What advice would you give to those? Um, I feel like there are a lot of rebels attached to this program, <laughs> probably, um, who identify, oh, I've just clicked. Okay, who identify as rebellious and rule-breaking. What an excellent question. Um, so I have a few issues with this. Honestly, I don't massively buy into her four personality tendencies. So there's that in itself. I think personality typing's usually quite negative. Um, I don't think it's particularly useful. I think depending on the mindset you go into it with. So same with things like attachment styles. People be like, oh, well... I'm just an avoidant, nothing I can do about it. It's just how I am. I guess I'll never have like a loving relationship. Like, no, no, no. The whole point in figuring that stuff out is to notice your own tendencies and then think like, I'm naturally, I'm so avoidant, right? So now when I notice that that's how I'm being, I'm like, huh, if you actually want to have a relationship with this person, you're going to have to be uncomfortable and you're going to have to like, I don't know, whatever, not be so avoidant. Same with this stuff. It's like, if you don't like certain aspects of yourself, you can change them. Like your personality is not an innate thing that you can't change. If there's aspects of it that you are aware of that aren't serving you, you can then change those things, right? Or you can call yourself out on those things. However, in this situation, I don't even think that's applicable, right? Because what is obvious that you're still thinking about quote unquote dieting rules, yeah? Instead of telling yourself, I am choosing to do this. I am choosing to take this action because it's in line with the goal that I want to achieve, right? I talk about this all the time. It's the difference between saying, I can't have a piece of pizza and I'm choosing not to have that third piece of pizza because I'm looking to lose body fat, right? That's not a rule. That's an empowered choice that you're making. So again, this comes back to like the mindset and the way that you're thinking about dieting. You can eat whatever you want, whenever you want. We don't do strict rules on commit to six. But everything you do will have a response, right? Like every action you take, there will be a consequence to that action. 
that you just have to be an adult and own that. So if you want to eat a whole pizza, fine. It's going to be way harder for you to stick to a deficit. No one's telling you that you can't, right? That's the big difference. Like we're not telling you that you can or can't eat anything. We're saying if you choose to make these choices, you will get closer to that goal. Do well, you mindset mindset shift, isn't it? It's all about mindset. Like someone can tell you that you are going to be this way inclined to think about something. Well, you don't need to. You can go about it slightly differently. Like I've I flitter in and out of different things. Like I'm quite quite impulsive on certain things, but I'm also quite logistical on certain things. And then but I can also switch for switch them around as well. So it doesn't you don't have to stick with one thing. And I think that's biggest issue with I have with these kind of things is that as soon as you read something, you've just hedged yourself in. Like you've literally just boxed yourself in to that, that personality type. And you can change your, exactly as you've said, you can change your personality. Like I've started doing a bit of stand-up comedy and I'm a different, per, a different persona on stage and I'm off stage. I'm a different persona on social media than I am in person as well. Like I come across a bit of a ranty bastard, but I'm probably the least ranty bastard that you, I'm quite, probably some people probably think I'm quite negative. I'm probably more positive than the majority of people that, you know, it's just, oh, it's, 100%. It's, it's personas, it's personas and mindsets as well. So that's the problem. I think we, 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 we talk about this regularly in the fact that if you, if you start thinking that you are, you're, you're down in the dumps, you're going to be down in the dumps. Like, but it's, that's down to you to be able to change that and, and change it up. So, yeah, I think I'm never one for buying into things like personality types and stuff. I think that, I think that we, exactly as you said, we can all change and we can all make better choices, whether it be with your diet, whether it be with your personality, whether it is how you deal with people, all these things, they're, they're all a choice and there's always a different way to do it. I think the best thing about personality typing is realizing your traits and then realizing the ones that you don't like or that you want to change. Like there's all the ones for work where you're like, I'm a white person, an amber person. Oh, if that's like a, if you're a white person, that sounds really racist. If you're an amber person or whatever, <laughs> like, they put you in these categories, right? Yellow, blue, green, and, and red. Or and then, like, you have to treat them in a certain way because that's the. Yeah. I don't know. They need to change if that's not suitable. Yeah. And let's just think, I want to know this stuff and I want to change because I don't want to be like a negative, like, have a negative influence on other people. Or I don't want people to like inherently not really like me because that's just the way I come across. Like, no, I'd rather be aware yeah. of that and change that thing about myself it's yeah. very strange but it's yeah laura, laura uses quite a lot of the sort of color scheme stuff with work but she doesn't use it for other people she uses it for herself and she uses it how she's going to be able to get the best result by working with somebody who has certain personality traits so she'll change her her, her way in with someone who's got a certain personality trait and that's that's basically but as exactly as you said there, it's the best the best way to do it is to, to be able to work these, be able to work. You do that the, all the time the work as well, right? Like I do it all the time with clients. Like once you know a client, you kind of know, are they the kind of person that needs to be treated this way? Or can I have a laugh with them in this way? Or would they prefer it if I do that? Like you, you can read cues quite well and you mold yourself to an extent to suit what that person needs at that time. That's it. And it will change that the, what they need will change depending on the situation. Mm. Okay, right. Next question. Kasira, I think, 
Um, hi, Emma, Catherine, Andy. Ka uh, Catherine couldn't make it, unfortunately. But hi. Does it matter how fast or slow you walk when you're getting your steps in? Thank you. For steps, I probably wouldn't be worried too much about it. It's not just, just for getting your steps in. Um, if you're wanting it to affect your cardiovascular uh, to, a, to a higher level, you'll want to increase the intensity of your steps, potentially do some running. Um, but yeah, I think it's, um, I think we do, I think a lot of it is with the step stuff is, is that people do put a, they, they do kind of stress out a little bit about it, about how how intense should it be? Does running count? Like, of course running counts, it's steps. It's not like you're running, you're not walking water. Like, you still count those steps. Because I get that get that question quite a lot. Just like, if I go for a run, do those steps count? Yes. I think it's because some people are like, <clears throat> I'm sorry, if it's prescribed exercise, it's no longer neat. And then oh. the whole point in steps is that you're Fucking running. Semantics. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's semantics. It's like, who really cares? Like we're, we're using it as a crude measure of energy expenditure. So really you want to include all the movement that you're doing. Um, and I agree with Andy that the speed of the steps doesn't matter. It will like a step will burn roughly the same calories, right? If you're doing really high paced walking up a hill, then maybe you, build some fitness that you wouldn't have had if you were just strolling around plus you'll get steps in quicker right um yeah if you do the same distance and you've got the same stride length whether you're doing fast or slow you're going to do this cover the same distance it doesn't really matter too much it's just going to be timed isn't it so yeah it's, it's, it's I, I know exactly what you mean it's you see that one a lot oh if you know you've got to do them at a certain intensity to make it work can shut <laughs> It, I think it's because, so I was tagged in this a few times and Huberman was talking about, um, oh, the, another funny thing I'll tell you after this, but Huberman was talking about uh, fat burning zones. So now that's come back yes. around of like, you know, if you train fasted, then you burn more fat when you exercise. It's like, yes, you do. But the insinuation is then you'll burn more body fat. And that's the part that's not true. Right. Like, yeah, I guess I if you should... think about this is no matter which fuel source you're utilizing during exercise, and he's right, if you're fasted, you will burn more fat for fuel during exercise. Or if you go low carb, you'll burn more fat for fuel during exercise and at any point during the day. But, and that sounds good, but it's not body fat, right? So if you're in a surplus and you do fasted exercise, you will still gain body fat, right? It still comes back to your energy balance at the end of the day that would dictate whether you've lost fat that day. Exactly. Okay. Um, oh yeah, the other funny thing, someone just messaged me this, but I haven't actually opened it yet, but they were like, oh, Stephen Bartlett's just uh, announced on Instagram that he's invested in Zoe. So that's Tim Spector's company. So shocking that he had- well, I hope you're gonna have a chat with him at Performix about that. It's so bad, isn't it? The problem, again, we, we cover this regularly. The problem that we have is, is that there are a lot of people who are who are in the limelight who, who people listen to because they think they're an authority of knowledge or an authority of education, and then in their own field they are, but in another field they're fucking not. They're fucking they're they're treading they're they're treading water. They don't know what they're doing, and the sad thing is, is that people will buy into that because somebody with a name has. Put their put their name onto it, and 
the whole idea is like if we can if we can help sort of siphon out that horseshit basically and help a few people hopefully that few people speak to somebody else and say actually that's not the person you need to listen to these are the people you need to listen to and it's hopefully yes, so please do spread the podcast if you're listening to this and you've never sent the podcast to a friend please send the podcast to a friend or that's maybe, there's that's a one right this is one that I, I know another podcast does this and they call it grow the show take the podcast pass it on to one person this week to get them to listen to it that's your that's that's your job for the week that would re- i'd really appreciate that and like we don't do awesome. like i've even taken out the intro for you guys like we really don't push anything it's just right into the meat of the <laughs> exactly we're just here to help people to give out information and the more that you guys can share it the less that we have time we have to spend on actually marketing commit to six <laughs> so there you Absolutely. go um yeah well, which is what really my whole talk at performex is about is how you can give or how you can build really i would say quite successful businesses purely from giving like the only marketing we do is to try and help as many people as possible and we know that some of those people will need some extra help and then they'll sign up for coaching that's literally how it works and then almost like coaching allows us to help even more more people because then we can keep doing the podcast and we can keep, you know, creating things. Like I'm creating something with Kimberly that's going to help a ton of people, um, which will hopefully be, be out shortly. But that, and I think that's why I love what I do. And that's when I why I've been doing it for so long is that I actually just get to give. Like I actually just get to get up every day and think like, how can I help as many people as possible? And off the back of that, you can build a business. But I think I'd resent it if that wasn't the way that I could approach it. It's a nice place to be. Like if you get the chance to help people, like I, I again, it's one of those ones where you know we're very, extremely lucky to be in the job that we're in. Like I, I'm pretty, and you're also humbled by the fact that you get messages from people that you've never met before saying, "Oh, so thanks so much the bit of that bit of the podcast. I resonated really well with that." And then you start chatting away to people like these things, like as much as I hate social media, it does have a place and it's got, you know, these things work. So I, but I'm not, it's. I've been thinking about that like loads recently over the last couple of weeks. I'm just like, it is now and again, I get this like wave of like gratitude for what I get to do. But yeah. recently I've just felt it all the time. I'm like, how amazing is my job? Like I just absolutely love it. And then I was thinking, this is part of the talk as well, but it kind of is like a take on the happiness advantage. But because we love what we do so much and because we have a really good time doing it, did you see the reel that Chloe put up yesterday? Which one was that? I don't think I did. Just a uh, recording of me absolutely dying. Oh, yeah. No, no, I did, I did, I did. I'm like, that's my job. Like, I have so much fun doing what I'm doing. I actually think that's one of the reasons it's successful and like why people want to come and work with us because we do have a good time like we take ourselves seriously no actually that's not true we take our job seriously but we don't take ourselves seriously, right and it's a fun yeah. place to be and everyone's accepted and we all have a bit of a laugh and like but the work gets done and the support and i think that's, that's what life's about though life's about getting shit done but also having a having fun like you get one shot of this like it's when you get to a certain point like my my dad's at that point now where there's quite a lot of his like old pals and stuff are all falling off the perch and he's going to more funerals than he has anything else like 
he he's now he goes on holiday like every six weeks now. Like he pisses off to Tenerife, goes off because he's he's still working, but does six weeks of hard work and then buggers off for three weeks on holiday. Like you've got to enjoy your life. Like no nobody can nobody can make you enjoy your life. So I'm I've been I'm been very lucky to have a career that I or a vocation that I've loved for 22 years. And I get to work with some fucking awesome people who I class as being ex- like my best mates. Like there's not, not much better than that. Like that's basically like, I what do you mean, right. But, but I know people and from doing the mentorship, I know people not now because I've changed their mindset around this, but genuinely in like similar positions. Right. But if you're telling yourself it's work and if you're going on social media, just to get leads and when you don't get a lead it's a waste of a day and you get so frustrated and you're just trying to sell and sell and sell and it's like this horrible cycle and then people are telling you you need to do pushy sales and pain points and all this I'm like that's why people get burnt out and hate the industry when you take the pressure off all that and you're like I'm going to go on social media every day and see if I can help one person cool like how much more enjoyable is that and then we take the pressure off and realize do you know what even if I won the lottery, I would still do this. And kind of proof to that is before I made any money doing this, I was still doing this, right? Like I was still putting out content. I was still doing podcasts. I was still engaging. Like, yeah, I think when you love what you do, it's like, it's almost effortless, right? It's kind of similar to when, like we love exercise, right? So 99 times out of 100, when I go to the gym, I go because I want to go, right? There's always that one time when I like, can't really be bothered or I don't have much time or there's periods like now where I've got so much work on that I'm like, this is a struggle to get in here. But I still get it done, but it doesn't take much willpower because I enjoy it, yeah? yeah. Same with work. It's like, I'm not, like, I even when I'm pretty, like I've got a lot to do, I still love it because like I want to do it and I enjoy it and then you don't have to force yourself to do it but when you label it as work and all the negative connotations that like society has of work it can quite quickly become a negative thing so it's I think as coaches it's so important to take a step back and be like how freaking cool that this is your job it's it's that bullshit chat of oh you've got to hustle and grind no you don't like but genuinely in a job that if you don't enjoy this job go find another job like there's not many better jobs than this like i get up i get to be able to work with people that i I love working with i get to help people and you exactly you, you nailed it down there with like the stuff like people try to push pain points and stuff to sell and for leads etc like that's no wonder you get fucking worn down because that's bullshit it's all negative guff right why not we we discuss this regularly we every time we meet we end up chatting about this you if you want to pick up clients you pick up clients in a better place like if you go in a, at a better place you're more likely to get a lead like and that's why we're always so upbeat and like if you know that's on the podcast and stuff like that we have a laugh because that's generally us like yeah, I always think that. It's like rather than push people's pain points of like how awful you feel and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'm like, imagine how good you could feel in a couple of weeks if you start committing to these behaviours. Like that's such a more positive place to come from. And then I think with these coaches as well, it's like, yeah, all my clients are really negative and don't check in. It's like, yeah, because you're the leader here. Like if you're negative and you're pushing their pain points and you're always talking about that stuff, like what do you expect them to feel like if they're they're only focusing on the negative 
Whereas we always focus on the positive and shockingly, all of our clients are mega positive as well. Like, yeah. Exactly. On that note, I actually wrote on this thread, I was like, can I just say, I work with a lot of coaches now and I see a lot of people's businesses and client questions or lack of. And I was like, commit to six questions are always incredible. Like I only posted this this morning because I forgot, sorry. Um, And already just freaking awesome questions. And that's quite We better get on to because uh, we've been blabbing. Right. Okay. <laughs> Hello, ladies and Andy. From listening to a podcast, I know how important one's environment is to their long term health. The issue is, I have with my environment is my fiance. God love him. His quote unquote love language is buying me gifts, particularly edible gifts for us to share together. He also has a very high calorie diet and a sweet tooth. So he tends to buy a lot of biscuits, crisps, brownies, popcorn, and eat them in front of me. Oh, sorry. I have another question for you or not question. Sorry for you. Right. Yesterday I went to get Invisalign or like I got my first assessment two things to tell you one this is terrifying they want to take out like one of my front teeth <laughs> he was like yeah you, we'll have to take that out and I was like I did so I haven't actually committed to it because I was like oh, I don't really know how I feel about that aspect of it <laughs> well I mean no the gap will close but yeah, yeah, yeah. space for the tooth Mm, so yeah I don't know how I feel about that but he did he did say this really good analogy right so he was talking about the importance of wearing the Invisalign for like 22 hours a day and he's like you know if you've got I don't know a wedding or something you can take out for a day but realistically if you if you don't wear it not you don't just stop where you are you go backwards right so it's like he was like it's like pushing a boulder up a hill if you stop the boulder starts rolling backwards right you can't you can't just be like let's just not wear it for a few weeks then I'll just start like where I was no no no. like you're starting back a couple of steps back and it made me think that's quite applicable to forming a habit yeah like you know if you take a while like if you miss one day at the gym not a big deal if you get out of the routine of going for a full week then you have to work on you know pushing that boulder back up the hill as in building that habit again because you've got out of the way of doing it yeah I thought that was a good little analogy yeah it's I suppose you would look at it as trying to get it up the hill to get if this is any kind of ha- any form and any kind of habit is it's it's tough building habits isn't easy and I think people think that building a habit's easy it's not you've got to a break bad habits first so you've got to get that boulder to the top of the hill but once you get the boulder to the top of the hill and you're continuously ticking the habits you're over the crest of the hill and the boulder starts to roll itself and it starts to build momentum and you can keep moving forward from there and that's basically probably a good good way to look at it love that okay anyway sorry back to your question Sarah I've had quote unquote the talk with him about what I'm trying to achieve and why it's difficult for me to do so with all these tempting and high calorie foods around but it hasn't really worked I've spoken to him about how I'm absolutely okay with having treats etc as long as I'm able to plan them in however he has ADHD and is very impulsive so he doesn't think twice about buying a takeaway curry for the two of us at the weekend without asking me first. I feel bad if I complain as I know he regards this as a kind of thing that he has done for me. Um, I've tried talking to him about the benefits of eating a healthier, nutritious diet. We've spoken about the impact of diet long-term on health conditions. I've also left your podcast playing in the background. Subliminal. 
<laughs> like while he's asleep, just put it on quite quietly under his pillow. <laughs> <laughs> but this hasn't worked so far. And he's just very defensive about his diet. I know I should probably focus on the things inside my control, but I'm finding sticking to non-negotiables difficult at times. Do you have any advice? Good. If you if you've had the chat with them, there's not much you can do to be able to change that. And also it's very difficult to get somebody else to change their way of thinking. Um unless they have potentially a massive shock, like potentially a mat if they get told by a doctor that they need to change the way that they're living. But and also there's no much not much point in trying to get them to change either, because all you're gonna do is drive a wedge between you. Like this is the kind of relationship advice as well. All you do is you put a wedge in there. I would potentially all you would the thing I would look at doing is is potentially either saying to them, look, when you're getting your sweet treats, can you get me something a little bit more healthy? Like carrot sticks, fruit, stuff like that. Get me something a little bit more health, a bit a little bit healthier. You can stick with what you're doing, and I'm gonna do this. That's the only support I need you need from you is to do that. That's the only thing. Um aside of that, or just understand that he's not going to change and just don't reach for don't reach for the snacks that he's taken. Yeah, I think you have to be quite harsh with yourself and set boundaries. Yeah, so, oh, that's fine. You like you go and get that takeaway, but what I'm gonna have is this tonight, or I'll have a little bit of that without all the sauce on it. But I'm also gonna have like Mediterranean roast veg because this pon- podcast is now sponsored apparently by Tesco <laughs> Mediterranean roast veg. But you know you're gonna have a slightly different option. Once you do that for a while, he'll either A, get used to it, or be like, oh, fine, I'll have that as well. Yeah, you, you might find that his thought processes actually change because he's seen you change, uh, you changing what you're doing. So, yeah, that's that's another good, real good thought process too. Yes. Um, <laughs> agree. And then I think the, the one thing I think people get a little bit, uh, probably how I'm explaining it more than that you're confused by it, but... When I talk about like curating your environment, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to change the full environment around you, right? Like we all technically live in a obesogenic environment. I've made changes to my environment that mean I'm less likely to go for the, I don't know, like takeaway chips and blah, 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 blah. And a lot of that can be in your head of just like, yeah, when I'm at work, I don't snack on that. Or when he gets a takeaway, I do why. And like having that, um if this then that in your head before it happens is quite useful as opposed to in the moment like oh god what am I going to do will I just have it or will I not and then you end up giving into it be like I know that my fiance is going to get a takeaway twice a week on those days this is what I'm going to do or you know once a week I'm going to say yes but I'm going to choose these options but any other times I'm always going to have x and there's always going to be these snacks in the cupboard that I can have when he's having these snacks so that you're not having to make those choices in the moment. So basically what you're saying, Emma, is, is the first environment you need to change is in your head. Oh, Andy. Andy Aristotle Hamilton. After that? <laughs> okay, last question. Hi, coaches. Just a little advice on how to navigate fat loss the week before menstruation. My hunger levels go up quite significantly. And I find when I try and stick to my calories, I end up having one day where I just overeat. It becomes a vicious cycle and I try to get back on track, but the feelings of guilt are all too consuming. 
okay at that point reach out because we will help you um anyway it leads me to dread the same thing happening again the following month any advice would be appreciated so there are so many ways to approach this and we've spoken about this many a many time on the podcast probably almost every episode which is absolutely fine but um i'm going to take a slightly different tact here because we have different information on your situation i would come up i would bring your calories up and i think a lot of people assume that like you need to bring your calories up for the week i don't really know why but like the whole week but i'm like it might just be a few it sounds like for you it's potentially one or two days where yep. you higher calories now you will have to accept fat loss will be slightly slower probably won't make a big difference at all especially if it's one or two days i think this is where i'm a little bit against like bring calories up for the whole week potentially unnecessarily and then that probably will impact fat loss certainly for that week but maybe even for the month whereas yeah. if it's a couple of days where you're adding on two three hundred calories or coming up to around maintenance which is probably going to be adding on two three hundred calories then that's really not going to make much difference in the slightest. Like if you think of the month as a whole and for two days of that, you're at maintenance as opposed to in deficit. Cool. Like two out of 30 ish, not going to make any difference whatsoever, but the cycle of you feeling guilty about the foods you've been eating and then overeating because of how you feel about that, like that becomes a problem. Um, Yeah. yeah, I think again, with all these things, it's like go in with the right intention, plan ahead Track your cycle so you know when it's coming. Track the days and how you feel. On top of that, try not to make it a self-fulfilling prophecy because here you've been like, it leads me to dread the same thing happening again the following month. Now, being a woman myself and also having worked with thousands of women, I know that every cycle can be a little bit different. Like some people have very regular cycles and you know there's a very specific three, four days where they really struggle every month, fine. But some months you don't like I certainly like some months I have horrendous migraines and really bad cravings and I'm really tired and my mood is so low and then other months really don't really have that much impact so use the tool as and when you need it but yeah if you're like I'm really hungry I know my period's coming up like I know what this is I'm just going to bring calories up to maintenance also at that time remember that And this is why sometimes I give almost the opposite advice of like, just knuckle in. Because for me, when I do that, it maketh no difference whatsoever. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, I really want some chocolate. But having a bit of chocolate does absolutely nothing. And I just want more. So it's like, really, the craving I have is to like kind of gorge on chocolate, which I'm not going to do. But I know that in two or three days, I won't feel like that anymore. Now, if for you you're like oh no like I really like I really want some chocolate and then I have I don't know a ripple and that's enough and I really enjoy it and then I can move not on even a thing anymore. I don't know ripples were great leave like a shite twirl oh it's a way better twirl no oh, it's not it's galaxy chocolate twirls are the better one it's Cadbury's that's a shite twirl <laughs> your preference of chocolate is like you have that and then you move on and you're like oh that really filled my hole <laughs> i was waiting for that um but really? yeah, you know it doesn't fill my hole so yeah. that's the issue that i have really um you might not have that issue and you might be able to fill your hole so 
there you go. Um, anything to add, Andy? No, I don't have to add on that one. Okay, guys, thank you for the excellent questions. If you're listening on the podcast, please do. What what did you call it? Grow the show? Grow the show. Grow the show. Yeah, also, sure. next, commit to six intake is cometh-ing up. And you can find out more at esgfitness.co.uk forward slash commit to six. Remember, we do cap the numbers for this because there are only so many check-ins that we can do and we want to make sure that the quality is high. So make sure that you're on that waiting list. You will get first dibs to sign up. And yeah, we're really excited to have you. And if you're thinking, oh, I'd like some coaching, but I'm not really sure, just go to esgfitness.co.uk, click to fill in the application, give me some information about you and I will email you back. If we're not the right coaches for you, I will do my very best to find someone who is. That's all for today. Thanks, Andy. Bye. Ciao.